Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Mindful podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Bishke, and I am so excited today to have my guest, Phil Dahlhauser, the GOAT of beach volleyball. Uh-huh. Uh, for those of you that have been living under a rock, uh, Phil's a professional beach volleyball player, numerous accolades. I mean, 60 AVP titles, Olympic gold medalist. Oh, we don't um, have to get into all that. All, all the things. Yeah, all the things. He's, he's pretty humble. So I won't I won't go down the, the laundry list. But yeah, super excited to have you here, Phil. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you wouldn't allow me to go down the laundry list, but I mean, so many accomplishments. Is there anything that you have yet to check off? As far as beach volleyball goes, I think I've checked off just about everything um that there is to check off and i don't want to sound like a pompous you know butthole. No, of course not uh, but um yeah i mean i'm grateful enough to ha- uh i'm grateful i had a great career yeah for and sure still rolling still going yeah you're still playing although you're officially retired you know still playing avp um right you know and what has been the biggest transition for you since retiring what shift has there well, been <clears throat> i retired from the international tour uh which is a whole another animal so i'm still playing b uh avp as you said which i mean obviously there's great players on the avp but the competition is not as high as the world tour and i can kind of like i'm just basically just staying in shape really not practicing that much uh, just as long as I stay in shape, it takes me like, I don't know, a warm up at an AVP to get back into it. You know, it's like kind of like riding a bike at this point. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how I'm going about it. For sure. So just more, a little bit more of a, a chill mode, not pushing yourself as much as you need to, because the level is, is just not quite what you're used to on FIVB. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not killing myself anymore, which is kind of nice. Yeah, for sure. And I, I tell people when I was playing world tour and like traveling a lot, it was a constant, it was a constant, like, um, thought in the back of my head, what could I be doing that would make me better? So like, say if I was watching TV, like, oh, I could be stretching or rolling, or if I wanted to eat this Snickers, like, oh, I probably shouldn't eat this Snickers. And I could never 100% enjoy the Snickers, you know. And now, like, all that is gone, which is kind of nice. For sure. Um, So I don't have to worry about every single little thing. You know, I could always go to bed earlier uh, and things like that. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure that's a big shift. So I'm an indoor player, and I've just transitioned to the beach and definitely noticing some shifts there for sure. It's such a, mm-hmm. such a mental game. I mean, going from six yeah. to, to two, right. And so I'm so curious what, what you see as the biggest mental barriers that beach players face yourself included, if you can maybe go back in your career or mental barriers that still possibly come up for you sometimes. Well, there's so many mental barriers, so it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, hard to choose one. Um, but for me, what, especially later in my career, um, uh, I always won the poopy pants award for the ABC <laughs> because awesome. um, I was poopy pants on the court. I, you know, I'll admit it. And the reason for it was um, I was gone a lot for my family. I have two kids and um, like it always weighed on me. And like, um, 
I think a lot of times I was in my head and um, the guilt would wear down on me. And then like, you know, if um, I'd be in wherever, say China, uh, which isn't the most pleasant place to be. And um, jet lagged and just, you know, not my best, my best self, I guess I could say. And, um, and I'd blame it all on volleyball. And that, and I think that was a large part of um, why I'd be poopy pants on the court. And, uh, and then my partner would drive me nuts. And, you know, just because you're with that person more than you are with your family. And it's just like, not, it's not natural to travel with someone, you know, stay in the same hotel room, train, compete, eat everything with that same person and it's just at some point you guys you know two people can get on each other's nerves so i think with all that put together like um yeah i would some matches i'd be grumpy and i just like, i don't want to be here which is kind of silly like to think like oh you're competing at the highest level you know um in a sport like that's pretty cool looking back at it now i think that's kind of dumb but while you're in it, you're like, oh man, I just want to be home with the family, you know? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can relate to indoor season is, you know, so, so long as well. And being away from your family and playing overseas, like there's constant like yeah. FOMO. What am I, what am I missing out on at home? You know? And so it's hard yeah. to have that, like that gratitude in the moment. Cause you are just wondering what the other side is looking like and feeling like, right. For sure. Yeah. Especially with the family, not in the present moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's hard. Like, so going into the game, what do you feel like the skills are needed for players to get over some of those mental barriers, some of those mistakes that you're making in the matches? What are some of those, those points throughout the match where you can really get inside your head? I think, uh, you know, the biggest thing is trying to stay in the present moment, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, clear your mind. Um, otherwise if you're in your head, you're not going to be completely focused on what you're doing, right? No matter how good of a multitasker you are, there's a, a debate I have with my wife all the time. Like, oh, you can multitask. She thinks you can multitask. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, there's no way you could give hundred percent to two, two things at the same time. It just, just the math doesn't work out, you right. know? Uh, and same kind of concept, like, all right, if you're in your head thinking about what you're going to have for lunch after the match. Like there's no way you could be 100% focused on this next pass or this next serve or, or whatever, whatever needs to be done. For sure. No, that makes sense. Do you have something that you say to yourself, some sort of like ritual or in between points? Uh, I focus on my breath. I use my breath yep. a lot and it kind of like kills two birds with one stone because you're kind of like, uh, if you breathe correctly, right. Um, and we can get to that a little later, I guess. But if you're breathing correctly, um, not only puts put you in the present moment, plus you're getting a little extra oxygen in your blood and right. maybe you won't be as winded after the next rally, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that. Yeah. I nerd out on breath work a lot. I mean, it's, it's so powerful in the moment and something that's so accessible for those in-between points. You have seconds, right? Like there's not a ton of time that you have to readjust. So it's easy to let one mistake be with you for the next four or five points. If you're not careful. 
Yeah. I think if volleyball was more um, like if stats were taken um, more like, say, like compared to NFL or NBA, or whatever, you know, they have a stat for everything. Yeah. Um, I think in uh, on the whatever um, on the world tour, um, if someone has an opportunity for a real point, so like a, a point where you where you score a point on your serve, it's considered a real point and you miss it for whatever reason, say you get blocked or hit it out or whatever, um, players are thinking about that point onto the, into the next point, like, ah, could have got a scored a real point. Um, and then all of a sudden the serve is on them and then they're trying to, they have a bad pass and try to scramble out and they end up losing another point. So it ends up being a three point swing. And on the world tour, three points is like a difference in, in uh you know winning or losing a set because everyone is so good and one mistake like that can just send you home packing yeah for sure i'm so glad that you yeah that you brought that up i'm sure you've throughout your career learned to you know as players we kind of uh, are picking up a lot on body language and who made the mistake and you know who looks like they're in their head the most are there certain cues that you look for to tell when someone's getting in their head well you know, their players tend to have like, um, um, I guess, uh, tendencies or uh, reputations. Uh, one is like, you're a practice player, like you're great in practice. And we would always try to pl- practice against those guys because they gave us the best competition at practice, right? But then once they got into a match, um, they just tightened up a little bit, you know? And then all of a sudden, like there's, their swings weren't as, or their hits weren't as crisp or their serves weren't as aggressive um, okay. because now there's something on the line. Right. right. Um, so uh, there's that. And then there's guys that, you know, tend to tighten up and, and um, at the end of matches, you know, and they get that, you get that reputation and you better believe people start to notice that and with through video and stuff and uh, you're going to get served at the end of a set or a match because that reputation uh, follows you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's something so powerful about, and you exude this, I think in your style of play too, you remain neutral and so composed, you know, Casey Patterson, right? Like he he brings the, he brings the, the fire and the drama and the body language. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You guys are the yin and yang. It's, it's amazing to watch and that works too. Right. But there's something so important, especially in service where being neutral is, is so important. And other people, when they're going back and watching video, they're like, Oh damn, Phil just, you know, made a mistake and he's just, he's still pretty chill. I try to play beach volleyball as as efficient as energy efficient as possible. And I just see like, man, celebrating after a one, one side out, like, you <laughs> yeah. know, flexing down, like, man, that's, <laughs> that's work. a waste of energy, you know, yeah. if you ask me. So sure. that's part of the reason why I try to stay just steady. Sure. I'll be get a, emotional here and there and like a big point, you know, sure. uh, but for the most part, I think it's kind of smart just to uh, stay low key. And then you're not given any kind of cues, um, to the other the other team like if you show frustration you know like that to me that's a sign of weakness so i'm gonna start serving you yeah you know 
100%. Yeah, for sure. I love that you said that. I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about football players and energy conservation and how important it is in, and how much that can actually look different to coaches and to people watching when someone's walking, right. walking somewhere or not getting as emotional, you know, as, as passionate or as fired up or whatever, but right. in their mind, they're thinking, Hey, I'm, I'm being like freaking efficient. Like I'm, I'm not going to yeah. lose steam by the end. So I'm glad that you said that it's, it's important to point out so people can look for that and just point yeah. out how smart you are next time. But like, you know, everyone's different. Like some people, if Casey played like that, I don't think he'd be the same player, you know, sure. Ricky, it fuels him, right. It's actual fuel right. uh, for him to like emote. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it would hurt him if he, if he didn't. Yeah. That. I, yeah, that's just my theory. I don't know if that, that's the case, but um, I think right. you know everyone's different. It, I think people would be pretty pissed if you stopped playing the way that he did. Yeah, so <laughs> it's good. Boring, like boring, like me. No, no, no. It's efficient. I like the way that you described it. And talking about your efficiency and your mental game and your composure and how you keep everything together so well. What are some habits that you've implemented that have allowed your mental game to be so strong. And you could talk about, you know, pregame, you know, things that you're doing, like little rituals, breath work, like whatever mm-hmm. you're doing to, to kind of perform optimally at that mental level. Uh, I think it first like started with, um, I started meditation um, practice and I read, actually I read a book, a Tim Ferriss book, Tools of Titans. It's just like tools of successful people. The, uh, the, um, the theme of the book and I would say probably I don't know 75-80% of these people talked about their meditation routine and I was like huh maybe um, maybe I should start that because alright all these successful people are doing it so yeah I got into that and really helped me on the court just to be aware of my thoughts you know because sometimes um, the mind can be um, and that your enemy, right? And some people more than others. Um, and then I was able to recognize what was happening and then I could change it, um, change my thoughts um, yeah. on what needs to be done rather than what has happened or, or what, you know, what not, whatever that word was, um, the damaging thought or negative thought or whatever. Yeah, that's a lot of the work that I do with athletes and I try to break it down for the athletes that I work with. Cause so many of them are a little bit hesitant or maybe have some misconceptions about what meditation is. So really right. try to make it bite size and really accessible. So it has to be something small that, that people can work up toward, but talk about your meditation routine and what that kind of looks like for you, how many minutes a day you're, you're doing and just what you feel like it gives you. It, uh, it took me a while to kind of figure out the routine, uh, that I, I feel like works the best. Like I went, um, like guided meditations, like, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Love I'm him. a huge fan of his. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah he's um, amazing. But, um, I went that route and I was like, ah, oh, it's not really for me. And then, um, uh, I went like mantras, like I am and things like that. Yeah. And, um, that wasn't really for me either. So now I'm going 20 minutes first five minutes is breath work. Um, and then the next 15 is I'm just, I'm just being right. I'm just mm. 
focusing or paying attention to what thoughts come up and then bring it back to just being right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that really gets my day started off. Um, right. And yeah. um, I think now I'm just obviously just a more present aware person looking to get better. Of course. I think like the most mm -hmm. important thing that you said out of that is just that you tried things that didn't work for you and then just kept going after you don't want to give up on it. I think that's where some right. people fall a little bit short. Sometimes I think it's easy to be like, nah, meditation sucks. Or like, I can't just sit still these really e the easy outs. Right. There's something for everybody. Right. Like it's such a broad umbrella, you know, the meditation right. umbrella, there's so many different like branches underneath that. I think some people, um, their meditation is the gym, right? They sure. like just um, in the, the moment, focusing on their technique or whatever it is, and it becomes meditative for them. And it, um, and then they become kind of, you know, almost addicted to it because um, they're in that present moment and their mind's not driving them nuts, you know? Some people like to be out in, in nature and like, you know, right. doing hikes sure. or walks or different things like that or writing or journaling or something like that. I think that's definitely, it can be a form of meditation too. So it looks, yeah. it looks really different. Um, that's cool. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Joe Dispenza too. Do you like his books? Uh -huh. oh, oh yeah. He's amazing. His, I always warn people have to test the person out to make sure they're not going to be easily turned away with some of his meditations. I'm like, his sounds kind of interesting, right. but like he's, he knows what he's talking about with the frequencies and his voice gets a little right. weird sometimes. It's a little out there, but, um, just his story about how he um, came back from his, yeah, from um, what I, I don't like broke his spine or whatever, shattered his vertebrae and fix it himself. Yeah. So I want to talk about your, your mindfulness routine. We talked about the meditation. Is there anything else that you do throughout the day to incorporate mindfulness or what does your routine look like? So I uh, wake up in the morning. And I do like, I don't know, 15 minutes of like moving around, like stretching yoga type stuff. Because um, otherwise I feel like 52, not 42, yeah. you know, and then, um, and then I meditate for 20 minutes and then um, I kind of go about my day. Ideally, I probably, I mean, um, a buddy of mine, he meditates in the morning and then like in the afternoon mm -hmm. to kind of give them like that, that that extra I guess mindfulness for the evening when you know yeah. kid, kids tend to be a little much I guess we'll call uh, <laughs> at like yeah. bedtime or you know yeah uh, dinner time whatever they give you that extra calmness to deal with that um, sure. which I've probably should get into that at some point get like just a five minute you know yeah just like little pick me up i'm fascinated by hearing about what people's routines are and especially mm -hmm. when i start um therapy or coaching with someone i want to figure out what their routine looks like and so many people in the afternoon we have that you know between two and four that little slump that little energy crash right. and so what are you what are you reaching for you're reaching for you know, some sugar, some caffeine, like a beer, like, what are you, what right. are you doing? Like, mm -hmm. how are you handling that? And so I always like to just test out the waters a little bit. Let's just try just like a little micro meditation just in the right. afternoon. Let's just see what happens. We can always try something else. 
but they're like, right. oh shit, that actually gave me like a little bit more energy when I did that. It gives back to you. You know, that's the cool thing about meditation is that it's, it's really like a mindset shift for people. A lot of people say, I don't have time for it, or I'm not prioritizing it. I don't have enough time. And you know, my answer is always like, it gives actually, it gives that time back to you because you're freeing yourself from, you know, some of that anxiety, some of the time that you're right. wasting spending on some of that shit. That's not really important when you're not present. So you're doing those little micro meditations throughout the day. You'll have more to give to your kids, your wife for your workout. Is there anything else that's like a part of your, uh, a part of your routine throughout the day? I want to talk about some of your non-negotiables. You said that you stretch and you kind of get your body moving a little bit in the morning. Yeah. That sounds like a non-negotiable. I do have like, um, like I have reminders set on, on my phone, like, um, let's just say attitude of gratitude, just to remind me quick cool. reminder. Because uh, like you get caught up in your own, your day-to-day stuff and you forget you got a house, live in a house that's at 74 degrees, right. you know, all day long. You got a fridge full of, full of food. There's plenty of things to find to be grateful about. For sure. Yeah. The gratitude is really, really important. Definitely a non-negotiable. I want to know, obviously like throughout your career, you know, as an athlete, having injuries, different transitions, partners, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much that can kind of come up. I want to know how you've navigated those, the low points in your career. Well, um, I've had like two injuries where I've missed, um, a, like extended period of time. And, um, my re- most recent one was in 2015. I'd like tore an ab and have you ever torn a, like an ab it's like you use everything for your abs so you constantly like aggravating so i was out for two months but i was home for two months during the summer and i was around the kids so it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't really a low point for me Uh, so i was actually like it's kind of like a break almost like a mental break um but you know like when you're traveling the world tour you're like bouncing back and forth playing domestically and then internationally and you know like little inter- injuries pop up all the time and um my thing always was is, um and still is like what you bring attention to you bring energy to Absolutely. so like if you're focused if you're focused on you know your knee or whatever and like that's the only thing you're thinking about it's gonna hurt worse especially right. during a match um so i would you know focus on something that would feel good Right. And then over time, you forget, oh, okay, my knee's there, you know, big deal. So what? You played injured before. It's not, it's not a big deal. Everyone's banged up a little bit out here. Um, right. You know, we're all in the same boat at some, at some point. And um, yeah, that, that was always that worked for me. I love that. What you place your attention to, like your thoughts become your actions, right? And navigating injuries can suck, I think, for you taking that as like a break. It's all about that mindset shift as well. Like using this as like an opportunity or like a little bit of a mental rest period. I'm curious throughout your time overseas, like with feeling like that burnout sounds like that was pretty real. How are you dealing with that when it comes up in the moment? What's something that you do or you say to yourself in that moment? I did a really bad job of it. Um, Honestly, um, because it, it would get to me. Um, but yeah. my last couple of years, um, I did a little better. And 
2020 kind of helped because I was home the whole time, basically. For sure. Uh, so like it was almost kind of like a uh, like a recharge year. So 2021, um, I was gone quite a bit, and it wasn't um, you know as bad as it was before. Um, and I knew it was like my last hurrah, so that right. helped too. But um, you know, if I if I could go back and um, redo it again, I I would say like, you know, it sucks you're gone. I would tell myself it it sucks that you're gone, but um, you know, this is pretty cool what you're doing. You're making a living playing a sport, like a silly little sport, traveling the world, and you know, just try try to be grateful for it. Right, that can be so hard in those moments, it's so, it's so hard to rein in that gratitude. And I think like you mentioned earlier, you know, with meditation and connecting with your breath, it's so important to use your breath in those moments and can help slow everything down. Cause when you've been in that, I call it like a thought tornado or they snowball and become bigger and bigger. Oh, it's not fun. So with the breath, if you can just slow things down in those moments, then you can make room mm-hmm. for that gratitude to really come into place. So I'm curious, how has yeah. your like mental and physical routine shifted? How is that different now at 42 than when you first started your career? What are some things that you're prioritizing as far as your recovery? Well, I mean, uh, there wasn't much recovery to be done when I was <laughs> in my mid twenties, you know? Um, but as, as I got older, slowly, I like realized, okay, this is like part of the job. Right. Right. Um, and, um, like, I'm not going to have like USA volleyball has like, you know, a full-time, uh, physio that you can sure. always get work done after your workouts there or whatever. Um, uh, but I realized he or she w- wasn't going to be home at eight o'clock at night with me, you know? So right. I kind of had to do it my myself and and really just I created a habit of rolling out and and stretching and and then now I just I just do it you know? yeah it's, I don't even think about it it's a habit yeah you know what your body is going to feel like and probably what your mood is right. going to be like without it so you're like all right just like brushing your teeth now it's that that ingrained yeah yeah, yeah. pretty much I mean not so much anymore because I'm not like traveling as much and more I guess more of the rolling. I'm not doing as much rolling as, as I used to. Yeah. Um, but now it's kind of like, feels good. You know, <laughs> that's def- that definitely helps when it's a, it's something we can get behind that actually, you know, we can see and feel like the differences, right? Like something mm-hmm. like intangible, like meditation. My husband definitely tells me, he's like, Oh, did you meditate today? That's when I know <laughs> maybe being a little bit quicker to get frustrated right. or something comes up and he says it in the nicest way. He's like, Oh, did you meditate today? I'm like, Oh, you're so kind. No, I'm going to go, go do that. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it's something that's harder because you can't quite see that it's happening. You just trust that since 70 or 80% of successful people are doing it. You're like, I'm going to get behind this. So we've talked a lot about your mindfulness routine, your non-negotiables, all that fun kind of stuff toward the end of the podcast. I always like to ask what advice they'd give to their 20 year old self. So if you're thinking back to 20 year old Phil, who didn't need to roll out, didn't know how to spell recovery. What would you say to that guy? Uh, no brainer. Start meditating. 
<laughs> I mean, it's been such a a tool in, in my life. I don't know what I'd do without it, basically. That's awesome. When you see all the changes that it's brought to you for the better, mm-hmm. like it's, you just think about all the time that we could have, we could have been in the present a little bit more, less poopy of a person, maybe <laughs> back <Right>. in the day. <laughs> and just like, you know, you look back at mistakes you've made. If I just would have been a little bit more present in that moment, I probably wouldn't have made that mistake. I think that's really good advice. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and tell everyone about your new coaching venture with April Ross, yep. who's also a dream podcast guest of mine. She's amazing. <laughs> you guys are powerhouse combo. I'm super excited for everything that you have in store. Tell everyone about what you two are up to. Yeah. So now that my playing career is coming to an end, I want to get back to the sport and like uh, help people, I guess, level up their game. And I have a little club in Orlando and uh, which is focused on juniors. And I thought like, how can I do this with adults? And uh, I called up April, see if she was interested in it. And she, she was, so that's kind of how, uh, when, how it happened. And now we have these um, adult camps in, in the mid October in LA. So if you want to level up your beach volleyball game, we have all different types of classes. We even have like a four day camp. Um, and these classes, um, all have like different themes, like attacking, passing, whatever serving. So you can kind of pick and choose whatever you think you need most help in. Yeah. That's as far amazing. As the game goes. Super cool. And you and April are going to be coaching those camps. Are you guys going to be uh-huh. having, okay. All right. Yep, we'll be get- coaching and, and, uh, we'll get some, um, local pros as well involved, um, so, and it's, um, what's great about it is like a lot of these camps are like eight to one or 10 to one players to coach ratio. Right. And we're going six to one. So like really like focusing on the player and really try to help you out. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, um, you know, you get, I don't know, five, 10% better after the camp. That's so cool. That, that one to one to few is so important. Cause I think sometimes what can be frustrating for, you know, juniors and adults, I think is just feeling like you're slipping between the cracks and like, you're not getting enough reps or no one's giving you enough coaching. So everyone listen up. If you're an adult, you're interested in these camps and you want to learn from the best, get on over to LA in October. Are you guys doing anything in Orlando? Uh, no, no, nothing in Orlando. I think at some point we'll, um, venture out to Florida, probably close by you, like Clearwater area. Thank you. Yep. But uh, if anyone's in- interested, philinaple.com. Okay. All right. Sounds good. I'll be the first one to email you and have you get over this way, uh, drive mm-hmm. on over and, and coach over here. Big community, big need. It's awesome to be able to, to grow the sport. And it's, it's cool to be able to, at this point for you and your career, to be able to, to give back you know, so very cool. So if people want to find you, they can go to philinaprilcom Is that right? Okay. Okay. I love it. philinaprilcom And then nice and, nice and easy. And then people can follow you on social. Phil, Phil Dahlhauser, continue to watch yeah. you in Casey and the AVP watch Phil and, and chill mode. Thank you so much for, for enlightening us on this podcast and sharing a glimpse into your mindfulness routine and just sharing what your journey has been like so far. Appreciate it. Oh, Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. 
Of course. All right. Thanks, Phil. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Ready, Set, Mindful podcast. Make sure to join us next week as we have another episode for you. If you haven't checked out readysetmindful.com, make sure to check out our free mental toolkit to optimize your performance. And if you're not following us on social, make sure you do that. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Ready, Set, Mindful. We're also at readysetmindful.com. Make sure to leave us a review if you liked what you heard. Always look forward to seeing what your guys' thoughts are. We will catch you on the next episode.